If you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them please to Acts chapter 3. We're in a sermon series on Sunday night about sharing our faith. When the door is open. God is a God of open doors and closed doors. And God will open doors for us into the lives of people on occasion. And primarily, He does that for the purpose that we might share Him with those people. Acts chapter 3, the first 13 verses, may we read them together. Sharing our faith with the hurting. Sharing our faith with the hurting. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple, the church of that day, at the hour of prayer, being about the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, in other words, he's been a cripple all of his life, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And this crippled man asked for money or for alms of them that entered into the temple who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for an offering. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon this crippled man along with John, said, look at us. And he gave heed to them. He did what they asked, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, Peter did, and lifted up the crippled man. And immediately, not progressively, not a week later, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. He came in walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that he was the one that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John... All the people ran together unto them at the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly curious about what took place. Peter having a sermon in his back pocket. (laughs) That's just my adding in there. Peter saw it. All the people coming, gathering, and he answered to them. He said, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Why do you look so earnestly on us as though we, by our own power or holiness, we made this man to walk? It was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers. He has glorified His Son, Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about what they did to Jesus, the Son of the living God. Most stories in the Bible are very simple, but profound. They're very profound, but they're very simple. Acts chapter 3, the story is both. It's a simple story, it's easy to understand, but yet 
It has a profoundness that we're going to see in just a moment. Peter and John are on their way to the temple, which was the church of that day. They're going to pray. They're going to do church, you might say. Going to church to do church. They're going to pray. I'm sure Peter is also prepared to teach or preach in the temple, should he be called upon. And so as Peter and John are making their way to the temple, as they're approaching the church, they're confronted by a crippled man. Now this man has never known how to walk. He came out of his mother's womb a cripple. He was a little crippled boy. He was a little crippled teenager. Now he's a crippled man. He's never known how to walk. He's been a cripple all of his life. And because of his handicap, because of his deformity, because of both perhaps, he's poor. There's no job for somebody like him in that day. He's dirty. Everywhere he goes, he has to drag himself along the ground. And the ground in that day was not sanitized. It was nasty. There was spit on that ground. There was sewage on that ground. There was dirt, there was grit, there was grime. And everywhere he had to go, he had to drag himself lest he could get somebody to carry him. And because of his ailment, because of his affliction, he was a social and spiritual outcast. The was in that day, if you had a problem, it was because God was punishing you for a sin. That wasn't true, but that was the thinking in that day. And so there's that crippled man right there in front of the church, the temple, as he's been every day of his life, perhaps. And he has his hand out asking for money. Will somebody give him just a little bit of money that he could buy some bread? Maybe get a new piece of clothing. Maybe a little blanket. He, as he's lying there, Peter and John come by. And he holds out his hand for some money. And Peter, in one of the greatest scriptures found in the Bible, looks at the crippled man and says to him these words in verse 6. Silver and gold have I none. I don't have any alms. I don't have any money to give to you. But what I can give to you is far better than that. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow. And suddenly, immediately, the crippled man feels a surge go through his body. And Peter reaches down and, and takes his hand and stands him to his feet. This man has never stood on his feet before. His legs have been weak, they're crippled, they're atrophied. And all of a sudden those same legs are now strong and straight and muscular. And it happened just like that. The man stands up. And then he becomes a Pentecostal. 
He starts a shouting. He starts a waving. He starts a dancing. Wouldn't you? He can't contain himself. All he wanted was a few pennies to get a slice of bread, and he's got his walk back. And he's as excited as you can be, and he's praising God along the way. He's shouting, he's dancing, he's singing, he's testifying to anybody and everybody. Look what God has done. And the people who are coming into the church and into the temple, they haven't seen a lot of excitement like that lately. And they get a little curious. They get a little engaged. How in the world did this happen? And the the crippled man says, Peter, John, those two men right there, they did that for me. And the crowd gathers around Peter and John as if there's some novelties. And Peter then pulls out the sermon I told you about. All good preachers carry a sermon in their back pocket. And preacher, and preacher Peter began to preach a dynamic message to the crowd in the verses that followed. Now that's the story. Pretty simple story. But some observations I want to give you from that story as we're talking about sharing our faith with hurting people. Because just like there was a crippled man that day, there's a lot of crippled people today. You don't have to look far to find hurting people, do you? They're all around us. Observation number one. This hurting man... This crippled man was largely ignored and shunned by the church crowd. Now think about that. Each and every day, Monday through Sunday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., he's brought to the gate or the entrance of the temple or the church. He's brought there for the purpose of begging that he would have enough to eat and other basic necessities met. Every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he's there at that temple, he's there at that church asking for help. Hundreds of people go by him into that church every single day. They see him until they look away. They hear him until they stop up their ears. They experience him and they have pity on him for just a moment till they can get by him. God's people ignoring. God's people shunning. God's people don't want to have anything to do with Him. He's become a distraction at best, a nuisance at worst. The churchgoers, well, they don't got time to fool with Him. After all, they've got to get inside the church. 
They've got to get their favorite seat. God forbid they don't get their seat. They don't want to miss worship. They got to get inside, get in their favorite seat, and get ready to worship God. They've got to listen to the singing. They've got some praying to do. There's going to be some testimonies. The Word of God is going to be expounded. They've got to get in the church to do church. They don't have time for that man at their doorstep. I heard the story about a a bum that was sitting outside a very prominent church one Sunday on the sidewalk. The bum was dirty. From head to toe, he was absolutely filthy with a capital F. He was smelly. He's rank, nauseating in smell. He appeared to be drunk. Slobber was coming down his mouth. And beer cans were all around him. And he was ragtag. What little clothes he had was torn and old and faded. This bum was on the sidewalk that led to the entrance of this church in a very prominent place in the city. And church people on their way to do church to worship and to sing and to praise and to testify and to serve and to give and to hear the Word of God. They arrive that Sunday morning, they see the bum. And what do they do? They walk around him. He's got the plague, you know, you can't touch him. They walk through him. Just right on by him, almost step on him. They walk away from him. Go around this way. A few of them even call the police to him. How dare him come here? Take him away. But none helped him. Not one single one of those people going to worship God and do church took a moment to speak to him, to check on him, to help him, to do anything for him. About halfway through the morning service, ladies and gentlemen, the bum enters the church. He entered the church to a lot of gasping people. Who didn't say it, but they were thinking, what in the world is this fellow doing in our church? He's not our kind of person. He don't need to be here. You could hear their thoughts, though there was silence. And the bum walked from the back down the aisle to the pulpit. That bum was the pastor in disguise. And he preached that morning on the Good Samaritan. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there is a difference in going to church and doing the church. Going to church is all about us, and it takes place on Sunday. Doing church is about other people, and that's Monday through Saturday. God doesn't want us to go to church. He wants us to do church. And doing church is not Sunday, it's Monday through Saturday, and it's not about us, it's about others. How many people do we walk by each and every day who are hurting? And we close our eyes and close our ears and close our minds and close our hearts to them and look on them as a distraction, a nuisance, an inconvenience, or even think to ourselves they deserve what they get. So easy to be skeptical and cynical, isn't it? Second observation. Peter cared about this man and his soul. Peter and John are in a hurry. Don't get me wrong. They look at their watch. It's time for services are drawing near. We got to get in there. So they're they're hustling. They have to get inside the church to have their prayer time. To pray to the Lord to give them somebody to witness to. They got to get inside the church because they don't want to miss the praises and the testimonies of people who have been healed by the power of God. <laughs> and Peter's got to get in there because he might be asked to preach. And goodness gracious, the opportunity to preach to hundreds of people and see them come to Jesus. Boy, that's exciting. <laughs> Little did he know. that God's opportunity was not inside the church, but it was outside the church. Peter prayed for opportunity. And Peter's way of thinking like ours is, it's in the church. God said, no, this one's not in the church. This one's at the church. And you want to see the power of God, Peter? You don't need to hear a testimony about it. I'm going to let you do it to this man. And you want somebody to witness to, Peter? You tell this man about Jesus. You see, Peter was sensitive that day that God sometimes works here and sometimes God works out there. And we need to know that at any given time, he may call upon us in one or other places. Now, the reason I know that Peter cared about this man is because Peter stopped. Many others had went before Peter and had moved and didn't stop. I'm sure many others would have came after Peter if he wouldn't have healed that man and wouldn't have stopped. But Peter stopped. I believe it was the love of God that compelled him to stop. 
You see, when you love the Lord, you love people. And this man, despite all of his ailments and afflictions, was a person with a soul. He was created by God. God had a plan and purpose for his life. And Peter, recognizing that, stopped. And Peter heals him. And may I say, Peter saved him. Every time in the Bible you see a physical healing, the purpose of the physical healing was to save the soul of that one. People do not need our cliches. They don't need our money. They don't need our trinkets. They don't need our faith. You know what hurting people want from us more than anything else? Our heart. They just want to know that we care. Anybody can throw money at somebody. Anybody can give trinkets to somebody. Anybody can throw a track at somebody. Hurting people don't care about all of that. They just want somebody to love them. And Peter stops in love and recognizes what the man needs. And in love, he brings healing to that man and he leads that man to salvation. You know, we have a lot of do-gooders today. But their agenda, their motive is not love. There's a lot of do-gooders in the church and out of the church who, whose motives to do things, who have an agenda to do things to what they call the unfortunate people. But it's all about them. It's not really because they love those people and they want to help those people for this life and for the life to come. You see, Peter cared about this man's body, but he also cared about this man's soul. He healed the man physically that he could save the man spiritually. This man gave testimony that something happened in his life that was more than just physical. Every physical help should be done with the spiritual intention or it's not of God. That's one of the things Norman has been trying to teach us about missions. Every physical help should have a spiritual intention and the intention is to bring somebody to Jesus. If there's no spiritual intention in the physical act or help, it's not of God. What good would have it been, ladies and gentlemen, if, if Peter would have healed that man's crippled legs and that man died and went to hell? What good would it have been if Peter would have bathed that man and fed that man and housed that man And clean and full and sheltered, he went to hell. 
What good would it have been if Peter would have educated that man and trained that man and helped him earn a Ph.D.? What good would it have done if that educated, smart man with a degree went to hell? What good would it have been if Peter would have cut his grass and swept his house and painted his walls and put a roof on it if the man goes to hell? Missions today has become all about humanitarianism, but there's no intention of trying to lead somebody to Jesus. And folks, that's not missions. Missions is doing physical things in order to have an intention to be able to do spiritual things. What would it profit a man if he was to gain the whole world? and yet lose his own soul. Peter loved that man. He cared about that man. He stopped. He healed his body. He led him to Jesus to be saved. Hurting people not only need our physical help, they need Jesus. Third observation. Peter kept Jesus in the forefront. Notice in verse 6 what he says to the man. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. In the name of Peter, Let me fix my glasses here. Oh, I'm sorry. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We have people who call themselves faith healers today. And they put on a show for a fee. They bring people on the platform who are screened before they get up there. Do you think you walk up there with all your ailments and afflictions? No, you don't. You go through a screening room where they will determine who goes up on the platform. And so you pay a fee, get on the platform, and the faith healer is going to heal you after he puts on a show. It's all about who? Him. Sometimes he heals with the touch. Sometimes he heals with the thump. Sometimes he'll stand back and go like this and throw the healing. Sometimes he'll kick the healing. Sometimes he'll do it backwards. I mean, these cats, they really got it down. And the person who's healed always falls down because the handlers are ready there to catch. And if they don't fall down, they're pushed down. It's all about them, and Peter understood something. It's not about Peter. It's not about John. It's not about you. It's not about I. It's about Jesus. He tells that man, you rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. The message was Christ. And that was important because that crowd 
was gathering because they thought Peter was a holy man. They thought, John, maybe he's a faith healer. And Peter puts it all to rest then when he starts preaching. Because his whole message is on who? Jesus. When Jesus is honored, when Jesus is centered, when Jesus is lifted up, people are saved. People are changed. People are delivered. People are healed. People are transformed. People are helped. People are blessed. When Jesus is honored, when Jesus is the center of everything, He's the center and circumference of all things. And when He's lifted up, miracles happen. But when we try to lift up ourselves or lift up a denomination or lift up a program or lift up anything else, nothing happens. Because there's power in the name of who? Jesus. There's no power in Jim Palmer. There's no power in you. Let me ask you a question. Let's, let's think as we close. Suppose you had a million dollars, okay? Is that okay with y'all? Some of y'all. Suppose you had a million dollars and somebody came to you and said, I would like to open up a restaurant. I've always liked to cook. I believe I could make a go of it if I could just get some funding to, to get the building and get the equipment and get started. You know, some upfront money. Could you loan me, is there, is there any possibility you could loan me a half a million dollars? Alright? We say, okay, we can do that. We've got a million, that gives us another 500,000 we can play with later. So we loan that particular person $500,000 to open up their restaurant. Every single day you see that person after you give them the loan, they come up to you and shake your hand and hug your neck and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Every day you go to your mailbox, there's a little card from them saying, I deeply appreciate what you've done for me. The person that you gave the money to, everywhere they go, they talk about you. They praise you. They, they, they build you up around people who really don't know who you are, but they know your name and they know what you did for them. You go inside that restaurant and there, right there in the foyer, in a place of prominence, is guess what? Is your picture. A picture of you and a little inscription under it that you're the reason why this restaurant exists. When the man you loan the money to is training his employees, he tells them about you, about your graciousness, your generosity, how you gave money that he could have a business where they could work and be employed. Every time a patron comes in there and orders something from the menu, the server says, do you know how this restaurant began. So and so gave my boss, the owner, $500,000. You are honored. 
You are centered and you are uplifted for what you did. Suppose later down the line, the owner of the restaurant comes to you and says, Listen, I believe we could do some expansion. Would you give me another $250,000 that I might could expand this restaurant, hire more people, be able to feed more patrons? What would you say? I'd give it to him. You know why? Because he's not ceased to thank me. He's not ceased to show his appreciation to me. He's not ceased to honor me. He's not ceased to center me in his business and all that's going on there. He hasn't failed to lift me up. If I as a person, you as a person, would do that to another person, how much more do you thank God the Father is going to bless you and I when we honor His Son and center His Son and lift up His Son. Wow. Whenever you do something good to Jesus, the Father is going to do something good to you. Because that Son is His pride and joy. In closing, what have we learned? We need to look for hurting people. We've got to look for them. And they're not hard to find if we will just have the eyes of Jesus. They're not hard to hear if we just have the ears of Jesus. We've got to look with spiritual eyes and ears for hurting, crippled people. We need to care for them, secondly. And the only way that you and I will care for them is that we develop a love that comes from the Lord here, that goes from here to there. Because if we don't have the proper love and concern and care for them, all we'll do is what those other church members did that day. We'll look at them as distractions and nuisances. Let somebody else fool with them. We need to look for them. We need to care for them. And then we need to meet their physical needs with the intent, with the intent of sharing Jesus with them, that they might become born again Christians. We don't do physical things just to do physical things. We do physical things to give us an opportunity to say we love you, we care about you, and we want you to have more than what just what this life offers. We want you to have eternal life. And we share the gospel with them. That's intentional. It's not accidental. And then we put Jesus up front. It's not about us, it's not about our ministry, it's not about a program, it's not about the church. Everything is centered on Christ.
He's honored and he's lifted up. And when he's lifted up, amazing things will happen as men are drawn to him. Folks, let's quit going to church. And let's start doing church. Let's take what we know from here and go out there and make a difference in somebody's life. There's a lot of hurting people who need our witness. God help us give it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.